Trying to think of a phrase to sum up that weekend. It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. What stupid monkey wrote that? Oh, wait. I did. Anyway, welcome to the Brisbane Football Review, part of the Daily Football Show Fan Network. It's James and Scott with you as per usual. Adam's off trying to water ski off the back of a cruise ship. And in his place, we're very pleased to be joined by Vince Rigari from AAP. Vince, welcome to the show. Hello, boys. Thank you very much. Good. That intro didn't scare you off. Scott, how are you? I'm still here. reference even made me cringe. Yeah. (laughs) By the way, Scott, I'm telling you on air, fix up your microphone, put it near, oh. put it near your mouth. <laughs> Sorry, just got some wonderful audio production work here. Uh, very smooth, very smooth operation here. Excellent, there we go. we're good? Yep, now uh, we're good. Perfect. <laughs> anyway, we're going to talk about Brisbane Raw, all the news in Australian football coming up, and we're going to start off with the W League semi-final, where the Raw unfortunately went down to Melbourne City 2-0 on Sunday to set up an all-light blue grand final against Sydney FC. Scott, you yes. were at the game cooking in the stands. What yeah. was it like for you? Oh, it, was, it was disappointing a bit, wasn't it? A little bit. It, it was a really even game, though, if we're being honest. The first half was quite even. The first goal was always going to be crucial, and it went to Melbourne City, and from there, the Raw just didn't seem like they had the answers to get back into the game for me. Vince, where was the game one for you? Sorry? The, where was the game one for you? Oh, uh, up front, really. Like, uh, I was there as well, not cooking, but I was in the, the media box. Which <laughs> you were was comfortable. Pretty, yeah. No, borderline comfortable. It was very warm. The air conditioning <laughs> It wasn't. is Perry Park, mate. Can't be that <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Melbourne City were just a little bit more, you know, they had the attack, like they could finish. And I thought, I thought the Raw had, didn't have so many chances, but they had openings that didn't become chances. There they they was either... You know, Russo and Gilnick were pretty busy on on the wings and and sending a lot of balls in in that first half. But then, um, you know, they'd send one in and it would be half a yard short of the of the yeah. striker, or the striker couldn't quite get to it, uh, which was unfortunate because they had a lot of openings, like I said, but they just couldn't make them count. So City uh, in the second half, when you know things started to open up and they started to have more opportunities, they took them, whereas uh, the Raw didn't, and that's that's where I think uh, was one I lost. Yeah, and what really surprised me was the way that City's midfield, especially their number six, whose name is escaping me at the moment, she just absolutely bossed that game from there, able to snuff out a lot of the opportunities as well. Yeah, That's... well, like, honestly, they're probably one of the best sides in world football when it comes to women. Yeah. So, like, it's it's very unfortunate, like, for the Raw, but... The end it's of not the day, much for a war for winning the Premiership, is it? To run into Melbourne City. Yeah, it's well. The final setup is a bit of a G up, I yeah. reckon. Like that's really not fair. I think there should be at least two rounds. Like you have the third or fourth playoff, or, or, or whatever, and one and two, and one goes straight into the grand final or something like that. Yeah, that's just, like the old A League system where the top two played off. Yeah, I preferred that system as well. Actually, it's just not a really fitting reward for finishing top to have to run into. Like the Real Madrid of women's football. Like, let's be fair, Inca. They are <laughs> yeah. honestly like honest. Who is better yeah. than them? Like a couple of, uh, you know, the US teams. But like you put, you know, Melbourne City in any women's league in the in the world, and they're probably going to go close to winning it. Definitely, and the Royal Wing tried to play through their wingers, as you mentioned. But City really seemed to do a good job preventing a clean cross into the box. And one thing I saw after the game mentioned was the fact that Perry Park's got different dimensions to Suncorp Stadium. And that might have affected the way that they were building up. Possibly did, but the Raw did get one great opening on the wings um, towards the end and the cross to Abby Lloyd. Just unfortunately <sighs> hit the bar and bounced straight down at a perfect angle of that. Down straight down off the, off the near side of the crossbar. I was watching the game yeah. in the office and I swear I could hear that crossbar <laughs> rattle from there. Yeah. Close. So there was also the penalty shout which came from the wing as well, which to me, was a, that's a stonewall penalty. Yeah, and that we- does change the game if that's given a penalty because the Raw... When they scored first, haven't lost all season. Yeah, we we didn't have replays unfortunately because there's no big screen to Perry Park. But um, we spoke to Hayley Russell after the game, and she was devastated. But she was also pretty adamant that it was a penalty, and she didn't yeah. didn't know what the ref saw was was her words mm, when yeah. we asked her uh, what, what was doing there. And the way that it looked on TV was there seemed to be a fairly clear line of sight as well, and probably the one time that Raw fans would have loved for VAR to be used. The VAR doesn't go for the Raw anyway, you know that. Has <laughs> <laughs> it given one thing for the Raw this year? I can't remember. Anyway, it's, it's irrelevant to the W League discussion. Yes. So, 
City, their first goal came early in the second half. It was a cross that wasn't cleared properly, and it was a cruel deflection off Claire Polkinghorne, who, for me, has been one of the one of, if not the best players in the W League this season. And it just bounced the ball, didn't go the Raw's way. It didn't, but that sums up the game as a whole, really. But it just didn't go for the Raw. You're right, Claire Polkinghorne's been unbelievable for the Raw this year, and she was really good on Sunday as well. So that was a bit unfortunate. Yeah, like uh, like cosine. It just seemed like um, it was happening for City and it wasn't happening for the Raw, yeah. which which is quite unfortunate because on you know any other day a couple of those goals might have gone in or, or you know that one might have you know deflected in a different direction. It's just uh, the, the football gods, if they exist, uh, <laughs> were not on the Raw side at all. And you've got to give City the credit for the way that they created that second goal as well. Oh, that was well taken. The second goal from Fishlock. Yeah, I know it was. Almost deflected over the bar from Arnold, but that's a great, great bit of play. Should Arnold have done better? If you're getting both hands on the ball, was it both hands or was it the fingertips though? Oh well, both yeah. both sets of fingertips. I don't yeah. know, but still, you could probably go both ways yeah. with that. And like, she seemed very confident when we were at the media call on Saturday. Yeah. And unfortunately, yeah, just for her, it could have. It was one of those things that you look at and say, if you want to blame her, you absolutely could. But again, it was a very well taken strike to put it in that position. I'll still just blame Perry Park. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you folks really don't like Perry Park, do you? Yeah, no, that's all Scott. Right that here. All I'm going to get banned from the place this year, I swear. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure we'll get, in, get onto this topic a little bit later, yeah. I reckon. <laughs> now, it's more uh, the team that plays there that I don't like. Just remember, send those complaints to Scott at yeah. the Brisbane Football Review. I, yeah, I'll worry about winding yeah. up Perth. Yeah. Anyway, so there was a bit of an ugly ending at the end between Abby Lloyd and one of the City defenders as well. I didn't actually see this. I'd already... <laughs> Almost just about made for the exits to avoid the storm, actually. So yes, so I didn't actually see that. What happened? Also, was, also news to me. Please tell. There was a bit of a swinging <laughs> arm and push and shove where Lloyd got the yellow card towards the end, and I think it was a bit of frustration boiling over and the hot weather causing something to snap, possibly. So not the prettiest ending, yeah. but also say with the team selections, um. I know Waikitum hasn't delivered much this year with seven starts and no goals, but that last 15 minutes was almost crying out for something completely different for the Raw because it wasn't working. And maybe Waikitum might have been just something completely different to throw on and change the game because it did seem like there were four pretty similar substitutes on the bench for the Raw. Yeah. Just on what you were saying about uh, a fire ending that might play into mm. something that I've sort of cottoned onto mm. in the post-match chat with Jeff, Jess Fishlock. Because um, I, I wasn't at the press-op with Polkinghorn on the Saturday but she was saying about how the heat was, uh, you know, an advantage for the Raw and the hotter the better for them. And so I listened to the audio because I was at the Rugby Tans and wrote a story about how Brisbane Raw hope Melbourne City melt in the sun, rah, rah, <laughs> And then Jess, Fish- Jess Fishlock, I can't even say that, that's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> You're fitting right in on the show. Yeah, we can't yeah. talk properly either. Sensational. Um, uh, she was like, you know, don't talk about the weather, you know, like focus on the football in like what seemed to be like a bit of a stab at the Raw for you know, do it. she obviously read my story, which is nice. But um, yeah, I, I sensed that there was a bit of uh, tension between the two sides and it, it may have boiled over at some stage and, and Jess really wanted to get it out there uh, in the post-match press. So she was a bit fiery, but she's a, a fiery sort of character, isn't she? Absolutely. Well, with the conditions, they moved the game back from three to four o'clock because of the heat wave, which we're all still sweating through right now. They actually got that timing just about right because... Pretty soon yeah. after full time, this massive storm rolled through. Yeah, well, about fifteen minutes after full time, roughly. Mm. Yeah, it was roughly. A good storm. Yeah, yeah. Good. Which actually Scott and I kind of lucked out because we were planning on doing fan cams after the semi final, and then I got rostered onto work. So I would have been standing there with a very wet microphone, trying not to get electric. You would have been just bulldozed out the way from the people trying to rush through the gates to get to the cars. <laughs> you would not have had a chance. But how did the conditions play out for you? Like, was it the right move to push it back? Uh, I think so. Uh, It would have been absolutely awful if they'd have kept it at 3 o'clock because Sunday was an absolutely honking day. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess. I don't don't really trust the the old wet bulb, though. No, I think that's Um, been shown to be obsolete now. Yeah, however, the FFA cling to it, you know, like it's, uh, you know, a message from above or whatever. Like, it's just I don't really think the technology itself works. Like, I just think back to the, the game in Cairns. Yep. Uh, I don't think, from memory, I don't think that was pushed back at all or anything like that. And that was one of the hottest days I've ever experienced. Cairns in December. Yeah. Uh, and the wet bulb said, nah, you're all sweet. So it doesn't really take into account how things feel. Does it I don't think. humidity or? 
oh mate, it was it was humidity, yeah. it was it was the heat, it was the fact that there was no there was no shade on the field as well from Emory and yeah, it was probably the right call when the right and yeah, like you said, the storm came afterwards and it was amazing after the storm rolled through, like it dropped like ten, fifteen yeah. degrees. Would so been, it was it was quite lovely. It would have been really interesting if the game had have gone to extra time. What would have happened because there was an MPL women's game which was called off about about two minutes on Sunday because of the storm. It would have been really interesting to see what would have happened. That was a football Queensland live stream game. Yeah, and I don't even why they bothered kicking off. To be honest with you, well, if you but, go and actually watch the <laughs> five minute live stream, you can already see it's the storm is already there before they even start. So. That's right. But it would be interesting to see what happened in the W League if it had gone to extra time. I think there would have been a whole lot of people flying for cover because you've got to give credit to the Raw Corps as well. They were over on the open side of the field <laughs> making plenty of noise throughout that game. I'm assuming they kept hydrated because I don't know how they did that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, hydrated. Let's, yes. let's go with that word. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it was disappointing end to the season for the Raw though, but it shouldn't take away from what was overall a pretty impressive turnaround this season as well. I believe it was seventh all the way up to Premiers. And as Mel Andretta posted today, 100th game for Tamika Butt, uh, Claire Polkinghorne with another fantastic season. And look, that's still another trophy to add to the case. Yeah. Look, they've done really well. Big turnaround, like you said. Um, I just think it's going to take a little bit more, uh, maybe in terms of investment from the club or just to make sure that they reach that next level. Because you could see Melbourne City didn't have the best season, but when Melbourne City turned it on, they turned it on, and it's very hard to stop them. So, yeah, look, I don't know what they can do. Maybe they can chuck a little bit more money into the women's program, some better facilities or something. I know that they're, they're, apparently the, the W League team isn't going to be training at Logan. Oh. Tra- yeah, they're gonna, apparently they're, they're going to be training at, or continue training at Fig Tree Pocket, which is where they currently train. The facilities there are okay, but... You look at what um, City's got to deal with and the players that they've got and, and just the absolute reputation of their women's program. And I mean, you'd just like to see a little bit more change from the back of the couch thrown in by New and Buckery, wouldn't you? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that sums up in general, doesn't it? <laughs> I, can yeah. sa- I can safely say from my experience when I played Church League there about 10 years ago, it is definitely a lot better than yeah. it was then because there doesn't appear to be any dust blowing off the field. It was also a 15-point improvement though from last year to this year for the Raw. The one thing for me critical is again that goal scorer up front. If they had someone who could, they could get the ball to regularly up front to get the goals. Who knows what could happen? But they were really close this year anyway, even without that. And in terms of player retention as well, Katrina Gorry is obviously signed for next year as well. She was the first Raw W yep. League player to get a multi-year contract, but there is still some work to be done with that squad keeping it together because they've got a lot of good elements. Mm, they do. I agree that I think that the missing piece is probably the the striker up front. I can't profess to have seen too many W League games this season, but um, just the stats off of Waikie Chung, is it that yeah. just did, yeah. did she work? Was, it, was it, that a successful? No, it, it didn't really work. Yeah. So what what you probably need there is is a top line striker from overseas or something. Just to if you had that and you had that just a little bit extra class in the front third, then you don't have problems like we had on uh, on Sunday. Well, Natasha Dow was putting in her resume, it seemed, at the Adelaide game a couple of weeks ago, so <laughs> maybe you never know. We'll see what happens. Anyway, we'll do a full W League season recap next week with Angela, but should mention the other semi-finals. Sydney 3, Jets 2 after extra time in what was a phenomenal game in the end. So I hear I didn't actually see it, to be honest with you. I only caught the highlights, <laughs> yeah. but the Jets went down to 10 players just before half-time and managed to mount a comeback with what was a 90-somethingth minute equaliser before, unfortunately... Yeah. Uh, Sydney wound up winning it in extra time. Yeah, yeah, so, good for them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good for them. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we're all going to be very invested in the W League Grand Final now that the Roar are in it. Good yeah. luck to both sides. Although I kind of hope City wins it, to be honest. Just to, uh, I know a lot of people don't like City for uh, various reasons, and for some reason, uh, people don't like their W League team either. But I think it's, I think the most likable part of Melbourne City is their W League team and the fact that they've put so much money into it, put so much effort into it. So you can't be mad at them for lifting the level of the W League, generally speaking. So I kind of hope that they do win three in a row just to sort of confirm that sort of dynasty that they've built uh, in women's football. I'm also sick of seeing Sydney with silverware, so I'll co-sign that. Yes, I agree. And they also do have my favourite non-Raw player in Steph Catley. So I suppose it's technically go City this weekend, although I feel very, very dirty saying <laughs> that. All right, we're going to come back and talk about the A-League. This is the Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. Welcome back.
back to the Brisbane Football Review for another week. Do not adjust your calendar. It is a Tuesday edition as I've had to record a day early because my wife has told me that I'm not allowed to be busy on Valentine's Day. It's James Scott and Vince with you and we're going to talk about the A-League on Friday night, which honestly still seems like a very long time ago. But most importantly, Brisbane won their third A-League game in the last four, coming home with a huge win over Melbourne victory, 2-1. First half goals from Macaroni and Brett Holman got the raw home, but they were made to sweat after James Troisi unleashed a thunderbolt late in the second half. And first and foremost, I've got to say, find me a yeah but with that win, because when they won two in a row, it was yeah but, it was against the two bottom sides in the competition. This time it was against a victory who was supposed to be really good. Scott? I'll ignore that for now. So you said it's been a long time since the game. It seems like it's been a long time since they were one in Melbourne, so... That's the most, that's my big takeaway from the game. It finally, a win in Melbourne was it fifteen hundred days or something near enough? Just about one thousand yeah. four hundred ninety-seven, based on your post. I'll give you credit for that. That's probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, knowing Alec, you probably forgot to include a leap year or something. No, I included leap years, but you never know. But two-one, Vince. That was a fantastic res- uh, result, wasn't it? Apparently, it was. I was uh, <laughs> shoulders deep in the Brisbane Global Rugby Ten, so I actually didn't see it. Um, but you know, all season long. John Aloisi has been saying when we get our blokes on the park and when they get fit and when they gel, they're going to do something. And you sort of didn't know whether to believe him or not, but I think that result was evidence that, yeah, you should believe him because those players have too much quality to just fall away. I mean, I think you can blame the first half of the season on the fact that the preseason was terrible, injuries ravaged the team, there was no continuity whatsoever, but now you can actually see... There's a, there's a spine of the team there. You've got Brett Holman, uh, who is now fit and firing. He did a calf in pre-season, which you can probably blame on the backeries for... Uh, I think he did it on the day trip pre-season game to Ballarat that they had. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, probably one of the most influential players in the team. Uh, injured his calf in pre-season that could have been avoided. Is this the trip where they wanted to fly down the day before and they weren't able to? I'm pretty sure Something they... Like that, yeah, yeah. yeah, they were denied... Um, uh, the chance to fly the day before for whatever reason. So I think they went down the day of the game, yeah. and that is just absolutely uh, fraught with danger. But now you can see Brett Holman is is going really well, fit, uh, really mobile, the kind of player who can exploit those little pockets of space, you know, sort of in between the lines. And he's going so good that I can't believe that he's in Socceroos discussions. But that's that's probably. You know, something for another day to talk about. but um, Or at least segment three. Yeah, or, or, <laughs> or that. But, you know, like this was coming and, and if they can keep playing like this, uh, finals is another question. Absolutely. Well, just looking at some of the stats, Victory dominated pretty much everything. So it was yeah. 65% possession for Victory, 529 passes to 289, 15 shots to six, and the Raw still won. They did, and it was in large part due to Holman and Christensen, who were absolutely brilliant in the midfield for the Raw. Christensen's ability to win the ball and get it full quickly was brilliant on on Friday night. I mean, and that second goal in particular was evidence of what the Raw are trying to do. I think with that quick transition, win the ball in midfield and get it full quickly, and finally someone's making a smart run off Macaroni because no one has this year. Did they, did I think they, that combination you were talking about is really starting to get there. Do they park the bus? What did they do there? Uh, there were sitting yeah, elements deep in a, of bus parking. Yeah, but was it a van? More of a van sort of thing? <laughs> yeah. like. Maybe a VW combi or something. Yeah. Maybe yeah, not right. a full bus. But yeah. it was... I was really trying to get mu- the ball forward quickly, not so much long ball. But. It was much more ruthless, I suppose, from the rule when they did have their chances because... Well, I'll start off with the Macaroni early goal. It was very similar to a chance that he missed against Melbourne City last week, sort of moving backwards and trying to get around the ball. Yeah. And... Instead of sending it over the bar, he put it in the back of the net, which is exactly what you know you would have hoped. Again, that to do. goal they came from pressure. They won the ball back in Victory's half, and when they raw can do that, that's when they looked most dangerous this year when they were able to win it in the front third or the middle third. Yeah. So that's where the goal came from. He's going all right, isn't he, Macaroni? Like he copped so much like stick in the preseason, but I think most of it was undeserving and unfair. Like he's now coming. If he were, you put him in the Sydney side, and he'd probably scored ten, fifteen plus goals. Uh, he's just the sort of bloke who looks after his body so well. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but I reckon he could dead set run around for another season. He's, he's that fit. It's certainly well, interesting yeah. to see how he's, I suppose, adapted as the season's gone on. And look, as much as people want to criticise him, myself included, for a perceived at times lack of effort, the return is there. That's nine yeah. goals on the season. He also right hasn't now. missed a start all season no. for someone who was 38 yeah. and all the injury history the Royal have had. Incredibly, he's longevity. the one guy who. 
you would have thought might get injuries, he's been yeah. available the whole time. And he actually loves this weather. Like, I hate it. He loves, I, I bumped <laughs> into him yesterday at, uh, at New Farm Deli, which is possibly the most Italian thing you can do in Brisbane, bumping into <laughs> Massimo Macaroni at New Farm Deli, and I was absolutely sweating it out. And I was just like, mate, are you sick of this weather yet? And he's like, no, nah, I absolutely love it. Uh, so, you know, all the best to him. It seems to have brought out his, uh, his best football. Mm, and you can see the combination that he struck up with Brett Holman on that second goal, he knew how to make that run to create the space yeah. for Holman to run through, where he sort of went to the left of the field and drew the defenders. Holman ran straight through that gap and just blasted it home. That's the sort of stuff we haven't seen this year from the Raw. Not enough good movement off the ball from the front third. Again, that'll come, though. When you're missing players for most of the season, you haven't got time to really work on it. So hopefully that's a sign of things we'll see in the last seven games. And Ivan Franjic playing as a fill-in left-back certainly didn't look out of place there either. He didn't, but I think it's a, it's very much a short-term thing, I think. With Conor O'Toole maybe a week or so away, Corey Brown back f- from suspension. So yeah. I don't think you'll see Franjic there next game. No. Well, maybe next season. I don't know. If Brown's gone. Could be needed, yeah. Yeah. I mean, O'Toole's obviously a great prospect. I, mm. I, I've been told that Brown's gone. Yeah. Like, just about. Um, so... Sort of, I'd, I'd brace for that if I was a Brisbane Raw fan. Um, <laughs> but it'll be interesting to see what happens with the left-back position next year. Conor who obviously looks like a, a terrific young player, but is, you know, week in, week out, is he going to play there when you've got Franjic and you've got Hingert on the other side if, if they re-sign Fringer, uh, Hingert? There's a, there's a lot of questions, I think. I do like that combination name, Fringert, actually. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah well, we'll, have to, we'll have to hashtag that. Work, that, that yeah. work yeah. Story, yeah. come on. I got to admit, one victory play that really jumped out at me was James Donerkey. He was largely immense throughout that game. You thought so? Yeah. Okay. Well, it seemed like he was always in the right position yeah. more often than not, but that's just me, and clearly Scott disagrees. Except for the part where Holman ran around him and scored. Well, yeah, that too. But uh, And then we finally got to see Kenny Athew come on, King yes. Kenny. And I don't know why, but all I can think of when he came on was the phrase, chaos. I don't yeah. think he was quite entirely sure how to go about things, but he did seem to cause a few headaches when he got on the ball. It's kind of what I was talking about last week with Waki Chung, just throw, throw it on and cause chaos, but with Atchie, I think, yeah, he does, he causes chaos, he's got some pace, but I think the problem for victory is Barish is just out of sorts at the moment. And part of it's just because they're so predictable in attack, you know how they're going to try and score, they haven't really changed much the last couple of years, they might want to not just mix up personnel, but also maybe change things in the front third a little bit. Yeah, well they don't have another strike, yeah. except for, for Atchie, which is possibly part of the problem because they've got no one putting pressure on, on Bess. And yeah. Bess is a hard trainer any, anyway. Everyone knows that. He sort of puts a lot of pressure on himself. That's just the kind of dude he is. But I don't think there's any substitute for the pressure of knowing that there's another striker in the squad who could take your position. And Atu, um Musket has been pretty reticent to use him. I think that was his second second uh, match in the A-League since he signed for him. Uh, and yeah, I guess I'll have to take you guys' word for it that uh, he, he caused a lot of uh, carnage in the front third. I've, I've definitely read that in a few places, and and I hope that he gets another run soon because he is obviously a, an interesting sort of player based off his uh, his FFA Cup form and, and what he did there. He's certainly got the pedigree to make you think maybe he deserves a little bit more of a run, but I'll be interested to see what happens with Barisha because we've seen him at Brisbane. We know that form sunk can be ended so quickly with him where he gets one, he gets yeah. two in a game and all of a sudden you're absolutely petrified of him coming against your defenders. Well, I can only, re- only ever remember one real form slump from him in Brisbane. It was the first year when Broich was out of the team. Outside of that, he was a pretty regular goal every other game at least for the Raw. Yeah. It's, um, this I'm, is the first time I've really seen him struggle like this. He's re-signed for the victory, I'm pretty sure, and I'm pretty sure it's on a, another marquee deal if I'm not mistaken. If, if it is, I don't know about that because, yeah. you know, this team needs a lot of rejuvenation and and to have fine. your marquees. They can stay terrible, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, they kind of need to be good for the comp, I reckon. Like, when victory are no good, um, the A-League sort of slumps a little bit, which which might be a terrible thing to say for when you guys are Raw fans and, and hate them. I, I, I used to be an Adelaide fan, and I, I grew up hating them as well, so I know how you feel. But, um, <laughs> but just broadly speaking, though, I hope they can sort their stuff out because they're, they're, they're a sort of heartbeat club of the A-League, I reckon. And they are a big draw when they're doing yeah. well, like, you always saw when they were at the top of the league and whatnot, no matter what Brisbane were doing, they drew a crowd there as well. Probably because a lot of people from Melbourne love to come up to Brisbane for the day to see what a nice we- nice bit of weather was like. That and all the expats down on the Gold Coast. That's true. Yeah. So, back to the game just quickly. So, if the Raw ha- decide to set up this way going forward, so playing that sort mm-hmm. of 
I don't want to say Leicester style, but counter-attacking, but it produces results. Scott, would you be happy with that? Now, are you asking for the rest of this season or for going forward into next season? Let's start with the rest of this season. The rest of the season, I think it's the only way the Raw can play. You've seen away from home against Adelaide, against the Mariners, against Victory. It's three road wins in a row now as well, by the way. I, oh. I think it's the only way the Raw can set up to compete this season. Going forward, I'd like to see more of a return to the old Raw way of possession, dominance, trying to attack and control the game. The Raw have always played that way, from Miron Blyberg through till now, basically. So I'd like to see him go back to that. But for right now, I think this is the best way for the Raw to set up. Yeah, it's a a difficult one. I I agree that this is the best way for the rest of the season. Going forward, I think everyone sort of likes the idealistic thing about the Raw's identity and and sort of Raw-Salona still being a thing. Uh, Not to Raw-Salona necessarily, just a bit more intent with the ball. Yeah, yeah. it's hard though because modern, like football changes and, yeah. and football these days isn't so much about you. You remember five six years ago, everyone was trying to play that way yeah. all over the all over the world. Now they're not because I think coaches have changed their thinking and, and are now trying to exploit space more than they were just trying to generate their own opening through possession. And so you know, do you, do you cling to your your ideals just because that's the romantic thing to do, or do, or do you you move with the times and and uh, and park the the combi van, I guess, as you were saying, <laughs> as we were saying before. I, I I don't know, but I I kind of like the idea of the raw sticking with the old way, and I kind of like the idea of A League clubs having a a sort of ingrained identity because you know they're new clubs and they don't really have deep identities as yeah. far as uh, as clubs go. So that was something that we were clinging to before, uh, but it's really up to the coach and their judgment of uh, how best to win a game. Be interesting to see what does happen in that as well, though, because you could go either way with this now. You could say this has been working, we'll go with it, or we'll go back to what won championships in the past. We're heading into a preseason, I guess that, that and it looks like it's going to be a preseason, a lot of change uh, with so many players coming off contract, new people coming into the club. Uh, it will be interesting to see what sort of uh, uh, goals or, or or sort of identity that that John Aloisi draws up for the, this next phase of the club going forward because it definitely seems like at the moment it's the end of this current group of players yeah. this phase that we're, we've, we've, we've had for the last few years so it, I, I think it's going to be a, a lot different next year and just how that's different will be very interesting to see definitely all right so just quick uh, touch on the other results from round 20 so far it was a very good weekend for Sydney teams where FC won 4-0 over Melbourne City and in a round 7 replay I don't know why I put recap in the run sheet uh, Wanderers 4-0 over Wellington. That's really all I need to say about those games. Yeah. We've got the rest of round 20 coming up next weekend with the Wanderers playing Newcastle, Wellington, Perth, and Adelaide Central Coast. So enjoy we'll those games. Just very quickly, we've talked about the Raw making the finals, catching the Wanderers. I think it's more realistic that they catch the victory. They're only four points behind victory now, and they've got Champions League to come as well. I think it's more likely they catch them. So if honest. you're listening for fuck's sake, again, that's Scott yep, at the Brisbane that's Football Review <laughs> saying that they're I targeting... Think, I think the Wanderers are playing okay at the moment. They might just get enough points to secure a spot in the finals. Victory, if they focus on Champions League, might drop out. We'll just have to wait and see how it plays out. Anyway, we'll be back uh, with segment three, talk about the news. This is Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. Back to the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Vince Rigari with you here. Segment three, we're going to start off with a little bit of sad news that came through Saturday morning as former Brisbane Raw player Liam Miller uh, was reported as passed away, which was a bit of a sh- well, It wasn't too much of a shock considering some of the reports have been coming out with his health, but still sad that we finally got that confirmation. It's still a bit of a shock when it officially comes through, though. Yeah, you never expect to yeah. open up your Twitter feed and be that. No. That's the first thing you see. Yeah. No, I think it was in November when... Um the news first came out that he had had uh, some form of cancer and yeah like it's three months later not even yeah and it's just it's amazing how quickly that thing can uh, can cut you down even if you're a professional sportsman uh, so the playing just, wasn't he as well I think a couple of years ago mm-hmm. I don't know if as recently as yeah. last year I'm not, I'm not too sure but yeah there's, there's not too much sadder than that really is there no. mm. and like his career, you look at the clubs that he played for, Man United, Celtic, he Some had an impact well. on a lot of those teams where a lot of the big-name players were offering tributes to him. Yeah. I was reading today from Jacob Burns on the Players' Voice, I think it's called, 
talking about how he would never, never disparage his former clubs, even when it didn't go right for him at, say, Man United. He would only ever talk positively about the places he'd been. Seems like he was always a positive guy. Yeah, um, just you, you only have to look at the volume of uh, former teammates who have come out on social media and and you know poured out their their hearts and thoughts. Um, he just seems like a like a top bloke. I, I don't think I've had much to do with him. I don't think I was in Brisbane when he was here. Um, but yeah, just sucks, doesn't it? Absolutely. Well, we do want to remember some of the positives of Liam Miller, and we talked yeah. in segment two about one thousand four hundred ninety-seven days <laughs> between wins in Melbourne, Liam Miller's probably best moment for the Raw, aside from winning the double, yeah. was the goal that he scored in that 3-0 win over victory, which was the last time Brisbane won a game in Melbourne. And it's been really good to see that goal shared out a lot in the last couple of days, just because I really enjoyed that goal, but that's the highlight for him. Also, there was a rather comical goal against Perth. When him and Borussia were through and they couldn't work out how to combine, it was quite ridiculous, but that's the other one. Also, I was lucky enough to be invited by the club to Liam's first press conference at the Raw. And someone asked him about that penalty from the 2012 grand final, and he joked, yeah, it's a penalty. Apparently so, the whole time he said, no, it's not a penalty in Perth, he gets to Brisbane, yeah, it's a penalty. So, <laughs> <laughs> and a- when, he, when he actually left as well, he missed an MYL game, which was quite funny as well. Oh, there we go. <laughs> he said, no, I'm not playing. <laughs> so that was quite, they're, the kind of, they're the four things I wrote down I remember from Liam's time in Brisbane. And the photo that they've been sharing out as well, like of him with the... Was it the A-League trophy or the, the Premier's, Premier's plate? Yeah. Premier's plate. That was just a really well-taken shot. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so sad news about Liam Miller, but... Yeah. Condolences to his family as well. That's right. Uh, new front of shirt sponsor for the Roar. I don't know how to segue any other way <laughs> yeah. than that, unfortunately. But Central Home Loans, front of shirt for the remainder of 2017-18 and a platinum partner through 2018-19. David Perret... I suppose, finally gets that front of shirt sponsor that he's been looking for. Yeah, good. Um, more of that, please, really. Uh, absolutely shocking to really think that this club started the season without a sponsor, and the only sponsor who signed up partway through the season was Luxury Paints, who happened to be an ex-owner of the club. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it didn't seem like we could actually get anyone involved in football in Brisbane who hadn't already been involved with it before. Uh, so hopefully this is the first of many. The only quibble I have is they also sponsor the Melbourne Victory Academy, I'm led to believe, so... Oh, well, then maybe yeah. we should have rejected it. Then. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, I'm just thinking it's nice to see something yeah. going from Melbourne to Brisbane as opposed to the other <laughs> way around, as it usually is in the A-League. Yeah. But, yeah, look, they got that sponsor, and you know, I'm sure the fact that it's a light blue sponsor on the front of the kit can be forgiven. Oh, it's clearly what led to the win on Friday, isn't it? Absolutely. With a light blue on the shirt, they win. All right, so uh, Enrique, we spoke about him at the Melbourne City home game and how he got a massive cheer from the crowd. He said that he wants to return to the Raw. I'm not entirely sold on that personally. Vince, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to play for the Raw as well, but uh, (laughs) uh, it's not particularly realistic. He's back. Uh, Me and Marco spoke to him before. What was the last home game? City. Yeah, yeah, okay, sorry. Um, yeah. My mind's a little bit jumbled. You and me both. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we spoke to him before then and he was just, yeah, I'm, I'm keen to play and we asked him if he'd be keen to play for any other A-League clubs and he seemed a bit reticent because uh, he loves Brisbane so much, he wants to live here, raise his kids here. Uh, so, I mean, maybe he's a sneaky chance for a contract next season if he can get fit uh, and, and show that he deserves it, possibly through the, the NPL. Yeah. But... Probably the right move by John to uh, not sign him up this season. There was no real need for him in the squad at the moment, really, either. When you think about no, the well, squad. It's everyone... a good chance for an NPL club to make a statement of their intentions. I think he could absolutely help a team at that level push into the FFA Cup, potentially and make a name for himself. So it's a good opportunity for someone there. And the time that it would take for him to get up to fitness to play in the A-League, yeah. even as a substitute, surely that would negate yeah. the rest of the season, essentially. Yeah, it doesn't really make much sense. Um so hopefully uh, he can find an NPL club, play play for them, and and it'd be good to see the Raw sign up to some sort of uh, ambassadorial deal as well. I think mm. uh, a bloke like him could be pretty valuable with. Mm. Uh, I don't think it's a big community, but the the Brazilian Portuguese community in Brisbane, he's the perfect guy to be like, hey, come, uh, you know, he, he can be the people, the guy who speaks to them, and tries to uh, you know bring them over into uh, into the A League. Well, just. Uh- out of curiosity, because we were talking about this last season when Thomas Broach was elected yeah. into the Raw Hall of Fame. If Enrique's playing days are done, do you feel like he could be someone that 
gets a call up soon. I think he's in the next two, but to Vince's point also with an ambassadorship, the Royals seemingly lost Thomas Broich to Brisbane City in a coaching capacity. You have to keep some of your club legends involved. Yep. You don't want to lose everyone to your potential rivals. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's not like the Broich and the Raw fell out, though. And I think there's still a... No, will... but it seems more aligned with City at the moment. Yeah, they're yeah. Helping that, with his coaching. That's because, yeah, they're, they're paying for his badges and he's going to come back and, and do some stuff with them. But I I think there's a will both ways uh, between uh, Broich and the Raw to make sure that, you know, that things aren't completely... Uh, separate there, so so I wouldn't be too harsh on Thomas. He's being harsh on him. Just yeah. nice to see him. Oh no, coaching no. with the Raw or something, but, but yeah, definitely. Was definitely. But even so, like from what I've gathered, I don't think there's a whole lot of middle fingers being thrown between Broach and the Raw. I think overall it was actually a fairly cordial oh, no. separation. Yeah, like, it was probably good for Thomas too because he'd been at that club for a long time. Uh, he's the kind of guy who every now and then needs to change things up. I think he's back in Brisbane now too, isn't he? After. Doing some coaching. Yeah, I'd heard he was around Germany, here. Yeah. Um, I think I saw a photo of him at the City game at MPL on the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it would be great if he's back, and it'd be good to catch up with him because he's done, uh, you know, some some media stuff as well. Uh, right, yeah. and, and it'd be interesting to know how his coaching's going, where he's at with his badges and that. And it would be good to see him, you know, r- run a session or two with with the Brisbane City kids because I just couldn't think of much better than being uh, coached by Thomas Broy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, so we're going to go on to a little bit of Socceroos news now, and. Mm-hmm. As we mentioned, Brett Holman's in contention now for the Socceroos, according to, I think it was Daniel Garb in the pre-game broadcast. <laughs> he tried to get it out of him on Friday night after the game. Got absolutely nowhere with it. Just a complete straight... You probably haven't seen it, Vince. It was a complete straight bat. Asked him, yeah, I, are you interested in playing for Socceroos? I'm focused on myself at the moment. But I think... Has he been to the Bill Belichick School of Press Conferences? Probably has been, but I, I think it's going to happen. I think Van Marvijk's going to be pragmatic about the way he wants to play, focus on results. I think Holman's a player who can help him in... The way he's going to set up, I could absolutely see this happening. Mm. Um, these things don't come out of nowhere when these sort of rumours pop up. So there's there's got to be some sort of something to it. Garby doesn't run with with bulldust, uh, generally speaking, uh, and it sort of makes sense because uh, Van Marwijk knows him pretty well. Uh, and if you're being fair, Dinkum, he's probably one of the most informed players in the A League at the moment, and one of the few Aussies who can really fill that that ten role and do it properly and stretch defences. Uh, when you consider that Moy plays deeper, uh, Rogic is coming off injury, and, and even so, isn't quite that guy as well. Holman, even though he's a little bit older, is a little bit more mobile and, and can do that. So, I mean, maybe. Yeah. Well, I'm just trying to think about it. In terms of tournament play with the World Cup, you obviously only have, what, four or five days between games usually. Yeah. And as much as I love Tom Rogic, I'm not sure you really want to play him every game because... Oh you will need that backup with him and his injury history. And Holman's still pretty fit, but I also think Van Marvijk played transition-style football with Saudi Arabia. If he brings that to the Socceroos, well, that's what he's doing now for Brisbane Raw. So it's a perfect fit for him. And worst-case scenario, he can score another goal like he did against Serbia in 2010. Mm. Hey, the other thing with Holman as well is because he missed so much time at the start of the season, he'd have a fair bit of petrol in the tank, I reckon. Yeah. So, uh, you know, watch this space. If he can... If he can play the way he's playing at the moment for the rest of the season, uh, he's definitely deserving of being in the mix. I don't know if he makes the squad or not, because there's a lot of players who, who should be in the mix as well. But it's it's worth a shout, I reckon. Well, a few more players will be involved in that, because yeah. the extended squads are now at 35 players. And one of the, I suppose, flavours of the month is, month is Daniel Arzani from Melbourne City. And all I'm left wondering is, are we pumping him up a little bit too much too soon? Nah. <laughs> no, nah, this kid's got it, uh, and it's exciting. Like I, I generally agree with the concept of not pumping up players after they've played two good games, which is a thing we do a lot in Australia. Uh, I vaguely remember writing an article about that several years ago. But Arzani is a special case because he's got that X factor. He's got the sort of cheek to beat players, which is something that not enough Aussie players do. He's he's a little cocky dude which I rate as well yep. it's great uh, he's got swagger and uh, he seems to carry himself pretty well he's got folks like Tim Cale in his ear too don't forget so you know he might be 18, 19 but this kid's got a good head on his shoulders he knows what he's doing he can handle it he's almost young yeah. enough to not know any better yeah. he would be a complete X factor off the bench that the likes of France Peru and Denmark would not know much about the other two guys who have done really well lately are two former Raw boys Brendan Brello and Kenny Dougal I could see both of them being in calculations as well. I mean, yeah. Kenny Dougal's playing right under the nose of Ben Marwijk in the Netherlands. 
Definitely. I don't think it's missed a game this year for Sparta. So. Definitely. He, he he doesn't get much love uh, back here because he didn't really play much. Uh, did he play A-League at all for the Royal? Or just do the youth team products? Yeah, youth, youth and then went overseas and all of a sudden popped up in the Dutch top league. So I think there was Scott a brief period. Yeah. I think there was a brief period at Brisbane City as well between there. Was it? Uh, after, after the Royal. I think he okay. played one season for City in the NPL. Yeah. Uh, I think he did really well. I think he got like a young player award in the NPL that season and went overseas. So... I mean, blokes like him, uh, not to get too far ahead with segment four, but is in the reason why we need another team up here, because yeah. there's so much happening in well, terms of young yeah. players coming through and not enough opportunities. Well, he came through at the same time as Luke Bratton, and that's just complete bad luck, really, because if Luke Bratton was not a Brisbane player, he would have probably taken that time. So There we go. A uh, uh, quick run through the NPL round two results. Lions 2-0 over Strikers in the game of the round. Scott? What? I thought you were going to start laughing oh, out loud. No, there. I'm just... <laughs> Since I tipped them to win the Premiership, I've jinxed them Lion. quite nicely. No, strikers. Oh, right. I've jinxed them quite nicely, I think, so far. Oh, well, yeah. No, I do think they're going to come good. They've got way too much quality, the strikers, if we're being honest. What, what is so hateable about them? It's all Scott. I don't get it. <laughs> I just, don't like them very much. Well, what don't you like? Uh, the, whole, the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and I think I just saw that bus I threw you on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alright, uh, Morton Bay 3-1 over Brisbane City Sunshine Coast 2-1 over Cairns Olympic upset Pride 3-2 which yeah. I think a certain former raw left back will be very happy with then you've got North Queensland 2-1 over Magpies Crusaders unfortunately as right, just... the full name please <laughs> Mackay and uh, Sunday's Magpies Crusaders United FC Thank you for filling that in while <laughs> I just That's uh, what I'm here for Thank you for put that as a Twitter handle you could never tweet <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, 4-4, Redlands south with Queensland Thunder. Angela uh, from the women's game said that, you know, Redlands were still struggling with defence, and quite clearly they were. Yeah, that's my, that might be the games to go and watch if you want goals, to be honest. But it's also, you mentioned the Olympic. That's a big win for them to get a, a result over Western Pride, given what they've been doing to teams at home the last year. That's a huge result. And we saw a return of the M1 derby, kind of? Yeah, kind of. With Gold Coast against Raw Youth, and Raw Youth getting up 2-0. Yes, it was a bit of a fiery game. Uh, two reds for Gold Coast United, but I think they'll all just be happy to come away with three points. We'll take what we can get when it comes to the M1 derby, I reckon. <laughs> hopefully hopefully one day it's yeah. back for real. Apparently um, there was a decent crowd down there as well, which is good to hear yeah, for but, their first game back. I've been meaning to check out again. I definitely, I actually would have been there if it wasn't for the 10, so I would have definitely gone down for that because it would you know, just jump on the train. It's right next to it. Um, yeah. Station Reserve. I hear it's a bit of a dodgy setup. Um their home ground because you know the last time I saw it, it was there was dead set nothing there but grass. So uh, hopefully they can develop into a, develop it into a nice little MPL ground. Well, I think that's uh, the long term plan as well in terms of their A League bit as well. Uh, I think so, but they want to jump. So. <laughs> they want to jump on it quickly though because I mean I've I've heard a couple of things about it not not being up to scratch for an MPL home ground. Uh, whether that's true or not, I'll find out when I get down there myself, I guess. But um, if you're in the NPL, you, you need to be, you need to have your, your stuff together in that respect. And they've got a lot to live up to as well, given Gold Coast City were very successful both in the NPL and the FFA Cup, and they've kind of replaced them. So they've got a lot to live up to in that yeah. respect. Although I, I think it's definitely a positive move for Gold Coast football that they've got Gold Coast United rather than Gold Coast City, because Gold Coast City were just Palm Beach, and yeah. not everyone loved Palm Beach. And I think the, the best hope they have of, of getting... Everything working down there in football is is through the old A League team that that briefly had everyone, uh, no pun intended, united. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, FQPL results: Southside Eagles, Logan Lightning, Holland Park Hawks, Rochdale, and Penn Power all won. So yep. I think Jordan's going to be pretty happy He'll with be that. Happy with that for Peninsula, yep. NPLW wins for Morton Bay, The Gap, Mitchelton, Pride, Lions, and Gold Coast United. Souths and Southwest Queensland was abandoned in that. Uh, Sunday yeah. afternoon thunderstorm. Yeah. I think they officially got to five minutes. Not, that's yeah. not bad, all things considered. Yeah. <laughs> all right, round three coming up in the NPL. You've got Redlands and Gold Coast United. Saturday is Strikers versus Morton Bay, which I think, you, Scott, you and I are going to be at. If they let me in, yeah. <laughs> City versus South West Queensland. North Queensland versus Pride. Mackay with Sunday's Magpies Crusaders United. FC. FC. <laughs> <laughs> are playing Sunshine Coast. And Raw Youth are against Cairns FC at... Cornubia Park, Logan. So that's yeah, been Logan announced. Lightning's ground. There we go. And then Sunday is Olympic versus Lions in another game which looks very, very appealing. Yeah, it does. It'll be a good game. All right, so we're going to call segment three up there, come back and talk more news because we haven't got a game to preview this weekend. This is Brisbane Football Review.
You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. Yeah, for your birthday, one final one. We see the, the Brisbane Roar today. They're, they're pushing for a boutique stadium, a rectangular stadium. Uh, is that a possibility? Oh, there are a number of uh, boutique stadiums around. We know that they've used uh, Ballymore before. Mm. Um, they, they're a, a regular hire of Suncorp um, Stadium. I think the real issue... Uh, they're talking about a 25,000-seat stadium, something, some stadium like that, something smaller boutique that uh, that other other clubs could use. Is that is that a, is that a pipe dream? Oh, look, I think the first thing that the Raw needs to focus on is uh, getting its own backyard in order. We've seen extraordinary controversy over the last few months. That's borne out into you know uh, what I think most um, uh, football fans see is a reasonably lacklustre performance on the field. I think the the, the club needs to get those fundamentals right before they start thinking about moving to another stadium and I think you know, that's probably really a bit of a distraction for what should be focused on which is uh, getting some quality football club. Minister, appreciate your time there. That was Mick DeBrenny on 4BC. Welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Vince and we're going to uh, keep talking the news because as we mentioned before there's no games to preview this weekend for the Raw. So, no, but there's plenty of big news going around. That's right. So that quote there was talking about the stadiums debate, which has really come forward now. Vince, what do you want to see happen with the stadiums in Brisbane? Something. I <laughs> really don't have a preference, whether it's Ballymore or Perry Park, which seem to have emerged as the two uh, most viable options. But something has to happen, because uh, the fact of the matter is Suncorp uh, is a great venue, but... Not when it's a third full, it's not. No, and also uh, there's not really much more room in the Suncorp events calendar to fit more things in. Uh, I'm pretty sure when the Raw were were planning their season or, you know, when when FFA were were doing the draw for this season, I think they they gave FFA something like seven of 22 weekends that were actually free for the Raw to play their games. So that's why the the season was such a sort of all over the place in terms of home games and away games for the Raw because there's so much other stuff that happens at Suncorp Stadium during the summer and also in the winter. So if we ever have a second A-League team in Brisbane, a stadium is not just something that would be nice to have. It would, it's a necessity. It's because kind of you, mandatory, isn't it? You simply cannot fit another team's worth of home games at Suncorp Stadium, nor would you want to for the reason that you mentioned before, that it's too big. Um, it's really good. Uh, that the Brisbane Raw have got on the front foot, David Pure as well, using the Women's World Cup bid uh, as a sort of bit of leverage to try and get this this moving because it's a need uh, that has been glaring uh, football people in the face for many years uh, and something needs to happen. Now, whether it's a redone Ballymore, whether it's a rebuilt Perry Park, I don't know. It seems like uh, Ballymore is more realistic at the moment, uh, but something absolutely has to happen and I hope it does. Just going back to what Mick DeBrenny was saying, I, I, a lot of people have pulled him up on, no, I'm going to join the queue. Firstly, he said there's a number of boutique stadiums that are viable for professional sport. Yeah, that's, name that's one. The, that's the thing that... Yeah, name yeah, one. Like, uh, it's all well and yeah. good to go on about the other stuff he did, but he yeah. undermined himself even before he got to the stuff yeah. about having a crack at the Raw. Exactly. Because there are none. Maybe Redcliffe yeah. at, at a jump. Yeah, maybe. He also talked about the team's on-field performance. Well, I hope he's not talking about the W League side there, because oh. they just won the Premiership. And by the way, no one from the government... Issued any sort of congratulations, sports minister, premier, nobody. And uh, just quickly yep. on that as well, if you not to start any code wars here, but if you're judging need for a new stadium based on on-field performances, there's Why one the club in Brisbane. Yeah, then there's one club in Brisbane that can justify a new stadium, which is the Broncos, and they already yeah. pack out Suncorp well, Stadium. The Firebirds got a deal done when they won their championship a couple of years ago, but the AFL team of getting a. It's a $30 million venue at Springfield? Well, they're pushing for it. Yeah. I, don't, I, I don't think don't... it's officially confirmed, but it seems like it's far more likely than any of this. That would involve $15 million of state government funding, I, I yeah. think. I, I don't know where that's at or if it's, like, if it's likely or not. Um, and look, there's definitely a need for uh, them to have a venue because the place they play at at the moment is completely insufficient. I've been there yeah. for a game last year and that's all well and good. But you need to think about what is more necessary and football has been ignored by the state government for as long as I can remember. It really has. I mean, you look at we had Alex on a couple of weeks ago talking about Socceroos haven't been here for a World Cup qualifier since 2012. I mean, that's ridiculous in itself. And this government is almost incompetent when it comes to sports events. I mean, they've lost the cricket test next year because of the, to four tests and they're the fifth venue. They've just had the 2020 World Cup announced in Australia. There's no 
Australia won't play any games in Brisbane in that tournament, which is a bit of a joke. But it, that's they're not really good with events. But the need for a stadium is obvious, and there's plenty of people who could fill this. The Roar, I'm sure, would take plenty of their A League games there, W League games. A second other A League team would do so. The Reds would probably be highly interested, particularly if it's Ballymore. Could be a second NRL team NR, as well. The National Rugby Championship probably play there if that's still happening. Yep. The Queensland Cup Rugby League might stage some games there. And of course, a second Rugby League team you mentioned. There's plenty of teams who could fill this venue. I don't think it would be some white elephant used five or ten times a year. I think it would be regularly used. Oh yeah, like Even things like the Brisbane Global Rugby Tens yeah. on the weekend, which is a great event, uh, I think, as well, despite the lack of big names there. But it, Suncorp, clearly too big for it. It also frees up Suncorp to host the bigger events it wants to host. I mean, there was that legislation signed last year or the year before that increased the amount of concerts they could have yeah. per year there. We'll have more if you yeah. give us another stadium where we can do the other stuff at. Um, it just it's obvious the need. Yeah. And if you look at the way Melbourne Victory is, we're actually watching the Champions League right now in the yeah. background, if I seem a little bit distracted. But something like this would be absolutely perfect in Brisbane it really would. Maybe yeah. it's slightly a bit smaller, but Amy Park would be ideal in Brisbane. Yeah, pretty For much all, just about everyone, including including the Broncos and some of their smaller drawing games would love a stadium like this as well. And you look at the way that yeah, that's set up, it's a very central location which yeah. in terms of just Brisbane's geography yeah. It's basically Ballymore or Perry Park in terms of spaces, isn't it? I think Ballymore's yeah. got the space you need, but not the ideal location. Perry Park's a better location without the space. Yeah, it's really difficult. I still throw the wild card, and I actually don't mind the idea of QE two nah. being just move the move, knock those grandstands out, move them closer. Because at least you've got you've got the big buses depot at the front. You can it seems far more likely to me. You've got a better better bus space and also car parking than Ballymore because Ballymore's a very tough place to get to. Even just for pre-season games, it can be tough. Yeah, I... And if you make the stadium bigger, there's less grass around the field to park anyway, which makes it more difficult. I'm not so sure about Ballymore being as tough a place to get to as what people say. Um, I used to have to take the train from the Gold Coast to Ballymore when I was working for Sportal many years ago. I'd come up for Brisbane Royal Press Conferences and... Uh, I had an absolute bomb of a car that I didn't trust on the M1. <laughs> so I took the train and I had to get to Ballymore and all you had to do was change lines at Bowen Hills, get on the the line to Windsor Station, jump out there, 15, 20-minute walk to Ballymore and, and you're there now. It's convenient. So people are so used to these, to these days having like public to drop them off right at the front door. Well, it's, are it's, people going to go to Ballymore if they know they have to walk 20 minutes from the train station or from the the busway. Especially the at 3 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon yeah. for a game against Wellington. Well, you can have shuttle buses that can do that distance, I think. Uh, a it's combi all, van? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's, it's Honestly, it's all about promotion and advertising yeah. and making it known in people's heads that here is what yeah. the government can do for you in terms of transport. Like, a lot of people just think of Ballymore and think, can't get there, impossible. It's, it's not really. And the, the busway yeah. in Hurston is right nearby there as well, so it's quite conceivable that you could have you know, uh, a lot of Ballymore Express buses or something going out from uh, anywhere that's along the busway, just take a short detour off the busway, yeah. past the hospital, into Ballymore, because there's lots of space there. I mean, that's that's one uh, way to do it. The other way is if you're going to raise Ballymore to the ground, which it sounds like the Queensland Rugby Union think is necessary, and yeah. I've heard is necessary because uh, the place isn't really that safe, but if you're going to raise it to the ground, why not move it over a couple of hundred metres to exactly where that pathway is over the creek so that yeah. the uh, the walking time is sort of cut down yeah. uh, from Wilson Station. Not to mention, there's so much grass and stuff out there that you could easily set up some uh, some food trucks, some uh, oh, you know, little mini bars. There's to do something. It's just the public transport getting there is it's the one knock on the place. Yeah, but what I'm saying yeah. is if you're getting yeah. off at Wilson Station and you're getting... You, you walk over the footbridge... And there's a whole precinct there where you can eat, drink. Yeah. Essentially the, replacing Caxton Street. Yeah, I mean, the stadium's almost brought to you. Like, it's less... Yeah. I mean, while the stadium might be the same distance away, you're not thinking uh, in terms of, like, right, well, I've got to walk a little bit further now. That, that's where you can s- set up for half an hour, an hour before the game, have a drink, you know, have a, there's a marquee there, you know, w- yeah. watch another game, have something to eat. And then trundle to over to Ballymore. Because there's no pre-match venues in the area as well. So you'd have to do that. The hospital cafeteria up the road doesn't meet your standards? I don't think it would meet the uh, Den's standards. <laughs> what, what is what is nearby, uh, yeah. surprisingly close nearby as well, uh, and this is the uh, you know the great thing about Brisbane City's bid for the A-League, is 
Spencer Park's just across the creek. If you put another yeah. little bridge there, then you can... That's your pre-match and post-match venue. Go you and just took some, that segue right out of my mouth. Yeah, go and have if some pizza. If they're going to bring Woodside pizzas over, I'm all for that. Yeah. Oh, just even if it's a short walk away, I'd, I'd be down for that. <laughs> yeah. So, obviously, there, we keep talking about the need for a second uh, Brisbane team as well, which, by the sounds of it, does appear to be the preferred result for the FFA and their expansion plans. It does seem to be like City have the most concrete plan, if not the best. Yeah. Uh, I've uh, Rob Cavallucci took me through their plan a, a while back, and it's it's really really impressive. Uh, if you've seen that, you'd you'd struggle to think of any reasons why they shouldn't be in the A League. Um, strikers also have a good plan, a plan which I've seen glimpses on and I've heard about, uh, but they just don't seem to be as slick as City. Uh, I don't know if they've. You know, got the stadium piece sorted out to the extent that City do. Uh, as far as I know, they're, they're looking at, at things at Perry Park and there's rumours that they've got plans for something at Perry Park, but do they have the money to, to execute yeah. them? I'm not too sure. Uh, and I honestly, I just like the idea of having uh, the Raw, who are a sort of offshoot of Hollandia, and City, who were the originals in the NSL, uh, being the two rivals in Brisbane. And as many as much as people kind of shoot down the idea of a North versus South rivalry. I'm one of them. Yeah. (laughs) It's sort of, you know, just because you have one team based in the North, one team based in the South, doesn't mean that everyone in the South has to support the Raw. That's the point. And everyone has, yeah, it it doesn't have to be that way, but it can be the starting point for something that, over time, can sort of go that way. Possibly, but it's just, the example is Sydney. I mean, when you're in Sydney, there's a very clear divide in all sorts of ways, east to west. When you cross over in Brisbane, I don't see much difference, but... You're right, because if people in the South who don't like the Raw aren't going to start supporting them just because that's their team now in a North-South divide and vice versa on the North side. No, but what, like I said, it can be the starting point yeah. for, for generations ahead of us to be like, right, well, I live on the South side and I can't be bothered going over to the North side for these reasons. And that is a thing. Like, While <laughs> North side and South side aren't different much at all, yeah. people who are on one side of the river generally can't be bothered going over to the other. I know yeah. that. Uh, I live that. <laughs> I I, this is one of the rare times I come down on the south side. In fact, I'm bringing my girlfriend down, up from the south side to the north side. So uh, We do appreciate your effort to come here tonight. Yeah, no worries. I, I, I don't know where I put my passport. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, um, like I said, that, that, that can be a starting point for something. Yeah, and I suppose looking forward as well, like, you do need that sort of competition because... Right now, there are a lot of fans that are very, I don't want to say anti-Raw, but might have fallen out of love with the club a little bit, but still want to support football. And for me, I keep looking at that and going, well, maybe a second Brisbane team would sort of create a bit of that, well, I've invested the last 13 or so years in the Raw, I'm not going to ditch them now, or no, I need a fresh start. So... It could also galvanise the football community. I also think there's a lot of people in the football community in Brisbane who aren't Raw fans or are barely Raw fans. Grand final fans. Yeah, who could probably jump on board a new team. Uh, it's, it's a huge community up here. And uh, I don't think the Raw are doing enough to to make the most of it. And so let's have, let us let a second team have a crack at it. And in particular, that that's why City is... Or Strikers, actually, in that respect. Because they, they are grassroots community clubs at the moment. So it's, it's not that hard for them to reach out to those people because they're part of it. We're just talk about the strikers in City, but do you think Western Pride have any chance of being involved in this discussion? Because it seemed a year ago they were in the mix to be considered as well, but they've gone, gone quiet the last, yeah. last and, little while. And the uh, Ipswich Jets want to get yeah. in the NRL as well, and you mentioned the possible partnership there as well. Yeah. Um, short answer, no, because yeah. they've said they're interested. But, yeah. you know, like I said earlier about another subject, I'm interested in starting an A-League team yeah. as well. They've Where's your plan? Quite, they, yeah. Where's your money? It's one thing to say, yeah, it would be great in the A-League, wouldn't we? But I have seen nothing in the way of an announcement from the Western Pride they're going to be bidding for the A-League. Yeah. I don't know of any investors who are involved. I don't know anything about any stadiums out in Ipswich that could be built. Uh, I don't yeah. hear or see any action on that front. Now, I would love to be proved wrong because that would make things very interesting, although I would still lean towards having a Brisbane team rather than an Ipswich team. But as far as I know right now, they're not in the race and sort of never have been a little bit. They're welcome to join it. They're welcome to make an announcement. Because that to me would be like the ideal location, really, because that's a clear, more of a clear divide. If if it was 
our Ipswich, Springfield, Western, Brisbane divide, that would be something that might work. But if they're not, if they haven't got a plan in place now, and City are well advanced in theirs, it doesn't seem like it's likely. Yeah, and also just while you're right, mm. I think there's something more appealing about having two teams who are actually in Brisbane itself yeah. in the derby yeah. rather than Brisbane versus Ipswich, which yeah. you could almost think about it would almost be like a bit of a. Mm. On a, on a lesser scale, but like Sydney versus Central Coast Mariners. They're a yeah. little bit out of town, yeah. so it's a bit like, well, are they really our derby, derby rivals? Particularly if they play the derbies at Suncorp anyway, it wouldn't really work, you're right. And yeah. look, just as a kit nerd for myself, I'd much rather see orange against blue rather than orange against uh, yellow. Although I strongly <laughs> doubt. Oh, no, I guess the rules, uh, you know, Melbourne yeah. City and Sydney are both wearing sky blue now. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if Brisbane City would wear sky blue as well because you'd have three in a bloody 12-team comp wearing sky blue. That'd be a bit silly. The big colours have been like navy blue and gold, haven't they? And a bit of maroon too. I'd actually really like to see them wear... um, My my personal preference would be maroon and sky blue. Sky blue is the colour that they currently have. Add a bit of maroon to it just to sort of uh, mainstream themselves a little bit. Those two colours, like the Aston Villa-West Ham combo is gorgeous. Yeah, I like that. I think that's the way they should go. I definitely think whoever the new team is will have far more marooned in their identity than the Raw have. One of the biggest missed opportunities in the Raw's history as well. They should have worn marooned from the start, in my opinion. Like, uh, I like know. the point of difference, that's just me. Yeah, but just there's something in Marone that just gets the Queenslanders' blood going, you know? And you would have seen so many more people jump on board at the start, I reckon, if they had marooned. You'd see so many more kits uh, walking around the city Maroon kits rather than orange kits, I reckon, if they wore maroon. That's Especially just... when they were the Queensland Roar as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they should have definitely worn it then. Maroon and orange, they should have done the, the AS Roma colours. They tried it one stage, it just worked terribly. Well, that's because they the had a bit days, of blue yeah. there as well, the, or yeah. something like that. Although that orange and maroon kit they had in 2010-11, I think it was, looked pretty good when they were hoisting yeah. the trophies. But that was just me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so, anything else you want to add on that, Scott? No, I'm good. Vince? Uh, no. Any more rants you want to get off your chest? No, not really. Just, um, you know, I don't think Ballymore is as bad an option as people think. And I also think it's more realistic because that's where there's currently a stadium that has a team and a a rugby union that is pushing for the same thing. And I, like, it's very easy for people to say, no Ballymore, Perry Park, let's do that. But do you know how much harder it would be getting money out of the state government as just football? Yeah. If you are football and rugby union with a little bit of help from Rugby League, maybe, all pitching in for the one place, for the one thing that everyone would share together, uh, you're, you're far more likely to get money out of it. I mean, it's you listened to Mick DeBrenny's comments before, and they, they obviously take a dim view of football for, for a very yeah. silly reason. So this needs to be a multi-sport yeah. way of doing it. And the important thing now is to keep the public pressure on. About to say, keep it, keep pushing for it, because otherwise if it just drops back into the into the backwater, it won't happen. Yeah. We've got to I'll, keep pushing for it. Th- that's why it being part of the bid is, is such an important thing. Um, and I know David Puro won't, but won't stop pushing for it, yep. and, I, and I'll be doing stories yeah. on it as often as I can to Absolutely. make sure that it doesn't drop off the agenda. Yep. And also, when you look at it, capacity, Ballymore right now, 18,000, that is just the perfect number as well because yeah. I keep saying, you know, 13,000 at Suncorp, you know, it's a great crowd for financial figures and whatnot, sure, but... 13,000 in an 18,000 seat stadium just optically looks so much better. Yeah, and it, any new stadium shouldn't be more than that. Uh, it, it should you don't be. think it would end up being 2025, though? 2025, absolute max. Yeah, that's Pre- what I reckon it would end up being. Yeah, I tweeted last night uh, 25 acceptable, something like that, 25 yeah. preferable. No more than that, because yeah. if you've got a stadium that's 30,000, you're then starting to compete a little bit with Suncorp, mm. which is not the purpose of this second stadium. This, pur- this purpose is to complement Suncorp. Any crowds that you'd expect to have 25 and over... They, That's the bottom e- tier at Suncorp, isn't it, really? Yeah, even 20 and over you should probably have at Suncorp, I reckon. Uh, purely because any of these other two locations, Perry Park and Ballymore, aren't equipped to deal with that many people in one space at one time. Yeah. Less than that? Yes. More than that? No. And that's what Suncorp's there for. So a new stadium should be there uh, to alleviate the sort of uh, traffic bottleneck if you could say about Suncorp, in that we actually need another stadium, and also somewhere that smaller crowds are uh, have a better atmosphere about them, so that you know uh, you can't hear yourself uh, echoing when you're when you're talking at Brisbane Raw games. You're not counting on the echo of the den to come back around the stadium and keep the chants going. That's right. 
All right, well, that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Vince, thank you very much for coming on and sharing your insights for the last hour or so. We really appreciate it. Insights, that's a nice way of putting my, uh, <laughs> my absolute rubbish. No, Compared very to good. us, it's insights. Yeah. Very Scott, good. we yeah. like you too. Do you? Yeah, cool. Sometimes. <laughs> no, pleasure, lads. All right, uh, we'll be back next Wednesday with our regular schedule to go over... We'll have to work it out, I suppose. Something. W League Grand Final, more news, and we might have to... Fi- See if we can tee up a rant from Adam from overseas. Something like that. All right, get out, enjoy the football this weekend, because there's no Raw games. Try and get to an NPL match, because that's going to be a lot of fun, as always. Other than that, enjoy your week. This is Brisbane Football Review.